This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Ashes Daily Podcast, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. At one point today, it threatened to be a boring, old-fashioned day of grinding down the opposition test cricket, but England did their thing and got their now-customary middle-order wobble in before it was too late to mean that they fell from 170 for 3 to 226 for 8 before a Joss Butler masterclass carried England to 271 for 8 at the close. I'm Yazrana, and with me on the phone from the Oval is the magazine editor of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Joe Harmon. Joe, let's start at the beginning. Tim Payne opted to bowl first on what looked like a pretty good deck to bat on. Was that more to do with how badly both sides' respective openers have gone this series? Or do you think the conditions influenced that decision? Um, it, it's one of those decisions, it, it feels like if the Ashes were on the line, he wouldn't have made that decision. Uh, and there was, certainly Glenn McGrath said he thought that 10 minutes beforehand the strike was going to bat. And then changed their mind at the last minute. It, it was an odd one. Um, I, I think it took everyone surprised in, in the press box. Yeah, and it, it felt like maybe they just thought that with a bit of a little bit of cloud cover, a greenish tinge to the pitch, this was their best opportunity to take some, some early wickets against England. Um, what, what, what looks like a very good pitch and was going to turn into a very good batting pitch over the course of the next kind of four or five days. I mean, they got they got an early wicket. Joe Denley fell early, driving at a ball on the up, edging to Smith at second slip. Like Jason Roy, he's not an opener, though, so you can't really be that critical of him. Uh, no, you say early wicket, best opening partnership by any side of the series so far. That's, that's, not, that's not saying much, though. <laughs> it's, not, it's not saying much. Uh, no, we know he's not an opening batsman in county cricket. The, the, the issue goes on. Uh, it was another kind of fierce examination of his technique today, which uh, he, he didn't really come through. By contrast, I thought Rory Burns actually looked today uh, probably the best he's looked at any point in the series. Obviously, he scored that hundred first up at Edgebaston, but uh, that was a bit of a scratchy knock. He rode his luck a bit. I thought today, until he played uh, what was a bit of a tame shot to get missed in the end, I thought he looked really comfortable. And I think we are, I mean, whisper it, but I think we are now looking at a test match opener, thank God. I know, it's, it's taken long enough. Um, on, on commentary, uh, quite a few of the commentators were pointing out how he's learnt a lot through the series. So after Edgebaston in Australia were targeting him with a short ball, I know he got out to a short ball eventually today, but he seemed to be in control of what he was doing. He, he wasn't pulling as much as he had been. Um, I found a good Rory Burns stat today. So he's faced more balls in this series than any England opener this decade in a home series. So more than Cook. Wow. And also more than Cook face in a home series across his entire career. Yeah, so most balls face in a home series by an English opener this century. Strauss against Australia in 09, Atherton against West Indies in 2000, Vaughan against India in 2002, Trescothic against South Africa in 2003, and Burns against Australia in 2019. Amazing series, Roy Burns. That is an astonishing statistic, particularly when you take into the, the context of how the other openers have gone in this series, which is obviously terribly. And also the form he came into in this series. I mean... We shouldn't forget that the majority of people probably thought he shouldn't have started the series because he just looked like he couldn't buy a run against Thailand. Um, but it, as you, exactly as you say, uh, and they were saying on the commentary, that he seems to 
learn extremely quickly and, and there's, there's few better attributes than a test cricket than that. Before Josh Butler's half century, at the end of the day, Mitch Marsh was probably the player of the day. I mean, he, he probably still is. We've not talked about him yet. Um, he was brought into the side in place of co-vice captain Travis Head, which a lot of people on Australian social media seem to be questioning. Um, he was bowling like Wakar Yunus today, interviewing Yorkers, dismissing both Bairstow and Wokes. Although Ricky Ponting said a commentary that he thought the Wokes one was an accident, that he that was supposed to be an outswinger that was way too small and way too straight that just happened to get the wicket. And he, he got more swing today than anyone else has all series. What do, what do you think about his performance today? Yeah, I, I've never seen him bowl like that. He, do, he does seem to really enjoy playing against England, though. He's got a, given that he's got a fairly modest test record overall, he's got an astonishing record against England. And it's not that a small sample size. He's played seven tests now against them. He averages 52 with the bat and 26 with the ball. Uh, wow. and, he took, and he took that um, kind of curious cipher against England in the 2015 World Cup as well. So it's obviously, he seems to kind of mesmerise England's batsmen into doing some fairly strange things. But today, you've got to give him a fair amount of credit. He, he did bowl beautifully. Um, I didn't actually see the speed he was bowling at, but certainly the one that, that got there, so seemed to hurry him up a little bit as well. Um, he was bowling mid to high 80s. There was good pace. Okay, well, it, yeah, it, that's the impression I got because, he, yeah, as I said, he did, he did hurry Bairstow up on that, on that shot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he, what, I think there was a spell of eight over three made and three to 17 after T, which he ended up uh, getting cramped in the end. I don't think he's bowled too many three spells like that in Test cricket or maybe any first class cricket before. Um, mm. But, yeah, it, he was very much, I mean, Butler had the, had the kind of final day with a few flourishes at the end, but it was very much Mitchell Marsh's day, really. The, the the way he set up Bairstow in particular, that was something that Jimmy Anderson would have been proud of. Away swinger, away swinger, away swinger, then into a Yorker. That was genuinely brilliant. Uh, we've not mentioned um, Root yet. That was quite an odd innings from him. He was dropped three times before he got to 35. Um, how do you think he batted today? Do you think there was any sign of him ret- returning to his best form? The thing with Root, when he's in good touch, it just looks so easy. Everything comes seems to come so simply to him. And, and he's battling really hard and he's fighting hard but and he got a good ball again as he has done many many times in this in this series but I mean when you dismiss sorry when you drop three times between 24 and 30 I think it was yeah uh, and then you still don't go on and get a big score that's going to really be nagging away at him I, you can't question his, his attitude certainly um, you could perhaps question his, his technique getting bold again but as I say it was a beauty from, from coming it's a frustrating one I think we'll see him quietly slip back down to number four at the earliest opportunity. Uh, we, we weren't going to see it in this series because it would have kind of caused too much of a hoo-ha, but uh, I do expect that to happen again. And whether it's psychological or technical, whatever it is, he does seem to be much more comfortable in that position. And uh, I think he's probably won, won the battle on that on that argument now. And yeah, as, as we've both mentioned, Josh Butler was excellent today. He was patient early in his innings before he accelerated as he started to lose partners. Um, it was exactly the kind of innings that England fans would have envisaged when he was first recalled into the side last year, which he did play last year, but we haven't seen much of it in 2019. Um, so I've got a question. Given that he's one of the cleanest strikers of a cricket ball literally ever, why do you think that he bats like he did towards the end of his innings so rarely? He, he rarely gets out batting in test cricket when he's in ODI mode. He's normally out prodding outside off stump. Wh- wh- why do you think that is? Well, I think... Part of it is he's trying to prove himself as a test match batsman. He's trying to prove that he can adapt his game to different conditions. And he has shown that in test cricket. He's got runs against India. He's got runs in Sri Lanka in very different ways in Sri Lanka. Um, So I think that's part of it. I think it's too much to expect him to go and just play like he does in in ODI cricket. Also, the thing with Butler, even in ODI cricket, he's he's not a slow starter, but he does take his time Mm. getting in. uh, And then he starts the motor. And we haven't really 
opportunity for Butler to, to get into that kind of fourth, fifth gear, partly because he hasn't lasted long enough uh, and partly because England haven't lasted long enough around him. And he's almost been forced into playing like that because wickets fallen around him. And I guess, I guess that's the logic behind batting him at seven, as they did in the last test. Obviously, he's moved up to six for, for this match. For me, that logic still doesn't stand up. I think he should be batting at, at probably five, uh, six at the very lowest. Uh, and any question marks around around his place in this side I hope have been kind of dampened mm. by that performance today because for me it's been a tough series for him I mean, he was averaging 16 before today but again I think we've got to look beyond the numbers with him he, he actually batted well in both innings in, in different ways uh, in the last test at Old Trafford uh, and today we saw just how valuable he can be I mean at, what 2-2 two, two, was it 2-2-3 two, 2-2-4 two, 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 for 7 yeah uh, that was that was shaping up to be a terrible day. As it is, everyone's leaving Oval around me now with a bit of a spring in their step, thinking that England had a, a reasonably good day. Now, I think it's a massive missed opportunity. I think if they do lose this match, then they'll look back and think, well, this was a time where they could have properly piled some pressure on Australia. 103 for one uh, after lunch. That's the time. Australia, w- Australia wouldn't have let England get off the hook, uh, and England have, have done that here. Uh, and Butler's given us all something to cheer, but I'm afraid it's kind of more of the same from England today. Uh, a very, a lot of talent there, but a huge amount of frustration with the way they lose their wickets. On Butler, he's got better through the series, which is ex- which is to be expected given the lack of red ball cricket he's played, not only in his career, but specifically in 2019. It's interesting that you think that he should bat five or six. I thought that today was the perfect number seven innings, batting with a tail, uh, accelerating when he loses partners, uh, I think long term seven. So many so, there are so many people in England who, who who are the ideal five or six. I think already, and I think Butler just suits seven. And maybe uh, you were you were mes- messaging me before we started recording this, and you said it's kind of like a you know if if people are calling for one of best O or Butler to be dropped, it, it just shouldn't be Butler. But I kind of think you can only really play one of them in in a in an ideal eleven. What do you think about that? Well. That's possibly true, and Butler's knock today was the perfect number seven, but I just think he's better than that. I think he can, fair enough, Gilchrist batted a number seven, obviously, but Gilchrist had a fairly handy top six above him. I don't think England's in a position where we've got six batsmen good enough to bat above Josh Butler and hope that he can smash a few at the end. I think he can bat both ways. I think he comes in at five or six. He can play like a test match batsman, and then he can play more expansively when the situation demands it. In terms of the, the butler though question, I think we probably are potentially moving towards that is one or the other and to, to me there's no contest I think since Butler came into the side back into the side last summer Beto's averaging 24 with the bat Butler's averaging 36 I'm not saying 36 is, a, is an average he should be aspiring to but it's, it's obviously significantly best than best though in, in that time uh, folks isn't exactly tearing up in county cricket in terms of scoring runs but but I think folks should come in at, at 7 as a specialist keeper and, and Butler bats at 6 that, that's the way I'd go that's not to say Beto's test career is over obviously it's not either Phenomenal talent, and no doubt he'd go back into county cricket and, and score a, a huge amount of runs. But I don't think over the last two years we've seen enough of him to justify his place in the side. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, I think that if he did go back into county cricket, we'd see uh, quite a few Johnny Bairstow rage hundreds, the, the kind of ones we saw at the World Cup when he put eyes. Sam Curran was exciting, wasn't he? Hooking Pat Cummins for six, third ball, out off a no ball, gone for good and over later. Cricket is just better to watch when he's playing. It does. The game just seems to move in, in fast forward, doesn't it? I thought initially I thought with that ball shot that it was a kind of a flinch, but actually looking at it again, he kept his eyes on the ball. It, it was a really, really good shot. Um, it, it wasn't anything that suggested a huge amount of permanence, though, was it? With, with obviously the LBW shout, which or the LBW dismissal, which was uh, 
down because of the no ball. Um, but he, he does breathe some life into this England side. And it'll be fascinating to see how he goes with the ball tomorrow. I mean, if you, if you weigh up England bowlers of Australia's, he's probably the closest to, to Mitchell Marsh. Mm. Uh, obviously, left arm to right arm. Uh, but similar kind of bowling speed. Uh, if Marsh can swing it like he did today, then Curran really should be able to do the same. Um, so that, that'll be really interesting to see because I think it's Curran, oddly, even though he's a bowling all-rounder, it, it's the bowler he needs to prove himself more as a batsman if he's going to be a regular in this England test side. Um, one, one final question. How do you think the pitch played today and how and do you think tomorrow will be a good day for batting? Uh, I thought that the pitch looks good from the start, really. Um, and I think... This was the this was the this is the worry. I mean, this this day is, as I said, it it's, it feels like it's a bit of a kind of a, a cherry on top for England. But actually, it's been a fairly miserable day in terms of the score they posted. I think this looks a really good batting wicket. England will hopefully get a few more on the board tomorrow. But you could easily see them being knocked over quickly with a new ball, and then it's over to Australia and, and Steve Smith. And and I think it, it's hard to. I, I reckon Australia are going to have a first innings lead the way things shaping up. Then it's over to England to post a really big second innings score which is something they've not really been able to do in the series so far. Steve Smith's going to score a lot of runs, isn't he? I've got tickets for day four, so I kind of want him to bat quite long, but not too long. So so most of tomorrow, I think I want Smith to bat. Um, well, I've got tickets for the punter on, on day five, so I'm not quite sure what I want to <laughs> really. <laughs> for England to do well and it to go to day five now, I'm not really sure how that happens. I guess England need to, probably need to bat really long in the second innings. Anyway, thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining me today. Yes, yes. This has been... The Wiz and Ashes Daily Podcast, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting memories since 1979. Tomorrow, Taha Hashim and Phil Walker will be on the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do and tell your friends. See you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.